Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Tuesday morning. Man, is it beautiful right here in the heart of Hamilton, O-H-I-O. I mean, all week, we had the animals lining up two by two about four days ago. And now sunshine, 70s, allegedly all week. Thank God. Great to get up every morning. Still wearing pants, but the shorts are on the way. I'm sure you're very pleased to know that. We welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. As you know or may not know, we come your way 10 a.m. to high noon Eastern time, Monday through Friday, right here on Chatterbox Sports. You can find us on YouTube, the Chatterbox Sports page. You can also find us streaming on Facebook, Chatterbox Sports page as well, or in podcast form. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Well, unless some guys who are hurt get healthy, i.e. TJ Antone, Lucas Sims, We are going to see what we saw last night out of the Reds' bullpen a lot this year. For the second game in a row, we saw some grit and some fire and some toughness from the offense coming back from two down in the ninth inning to tie the game, then take the lead in the tenth inning. But then that gate opens. When that gate opens, it's not pretty. Mm -mm. Derek Law serves up a home run, only pitch he threw. To Sean Murphy, and the Reds lose 5-4 in 10. Second straight out in Graham Ashcraft. This kid looks solid now. Solid. Went six innings, two runs, struck out seven. But, you know, look, there's good and bad with a manager here, okay? I mean, really, what's David Bell supposed to do? He brings in Reber San Martin to face a left-handed batter, right? Lefty-lefty. He promptly walks him on four non-competitive pitches, as I like to call it. He then throws a wild pitch, which should have been blocked. It brings in a run. You don't have to bring him back the next inning. Thomas and Martin here. You don't have to bring him back. But Bell does. His splits against right-handed batters are brutal. Yet he faced nothing but right-handed batters in the eighth inning. And allowed a big run. Game two of the series is tonight. Luis Sessa faces Kyle Wright. First pitch, 7-20. The Tampa Bay Rays became the first team since the 87 Brewers to open the season with 10 straight wins. They got a home run and a scoreless game in the eighth. And they beat Boston last night 1-0. That's the third straight shutout the Rays have thrown. Two against Oakland, one against Boston. The major league record to begin a year is 13-0 shared by those Brewers of 87 and the 1982 Atlanta Braves. Tampa Bay faces Boston again tonight. Fewer than 17,000 people were at that game. Tampa Bay does not deserve a major league franchise. They just simply don't deserve it. Period. This is a city, okay, when they clinched a playoff berth last year, so you know the team's going to clinch a playoff berth. Less than 17,000 were there. The Rays have not averaged more than 20,000 fans per game since 2010. Yet they've been to the playoffs seven times, including each of the last four years. Brutal ballpark. You would think a good baseball town. They're the first one, second one's on the list. Oakland, out of Oakland, 
Tampa Bay out of Tampa Bay. Everybody knows it. They just don't want to say it. Rangers left-hander Andrew Haney tied an American League record last night, fanning nine straight batters in an 11-2 win over Kansas City. If you're wondering, the major league record is 10 in a row, shared by the great Tom Seaver, Aaron Nola, and Corbin Burns. Football news, former Arizona head coach Cliff Kingsbury is joining the coaching staff at USC under Lincoln Riley. He'll work with the quarterbacks here, and that means Caleb Williams. Kingsbury was fired after the Cardinals' 4-13 and record a year ago. According to Adam Schefter at ESPN, at least six teams have contacted those Cardinals about a trade for the third pick in the draft. A number of teams want and need a quarterback. The Cardinals don't. They have Kyler Murray, so they don't need one. So stay tuned on that. And in basketball, the NBA playoffs begin tonight. Two play-in games. In the Eastern Conference, Atlanta goes to Miami. And in the West, Minnesota battles LeBron James and the Lakers. The winner of those two games tonight are automatically in the playoffs as the number seven seed. They're in. The loser of those games tonight still has a chance to get in the playoffs when it plays the winner of the 9-10 play-in games, which are scheduled for tomorrow night. All right, coming up later in the show, Tracy Jones at 10.30, not his regular spot, at 11.30. And Paul Doherty will join us at 11. But, of course, we have started our tour around the National Football League leading up to the NFL Draft. And today we welcome in, covering the Tennessee Titans, our guest is Buck Rising a sports talk show host right there in Nashville on the zone. He is completely dialed in on the Titans. Are we ready for Buck Rising? Just a minute. Just a minute. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ready for Buck Rising. We're going to get into later on, by the way, this whole um, Reds thing. Because, um, you know, the, the, besides Lodolo and, to a lesser extent, Ashcraft. Ashcraft went 7 First start, six last night. Lodolo went five first start, seven second start. The other three guys can't get past five. And in some cases, not even that far. That is a recipe for guys in your bullpen to literally not be able to lift their arm by the middle of May. So, in fairness to the manager... I mean, I, I talk about San Martin from last night uh, and facing nothing but right-handed batters. But the bullpen the day before had to cover five innings. I mean, it's brutal to watch. All right, let's get to football. Tennessee Titans. Buck Rising, he's getting ready to get on the air. So we only have him for a short time. You're cranking it up in uh, less than an hour, right, Buck? Uh, we're, uh, we're fired up on, uh, on this Tuesday, but yeah, we got time. We got plenty of time to talk some shop here. All right, Buck, let's start with, I like to play the game. First of all, thank you for your time today and for joining us. Um, I like to ask the three questions. Where have you been? Where are you now? Where are you going? Okay. So let's start with the Titans. We know that two years ago, cause the Bengals played them in the playoffs down in Nashville. Two years ago, they're the number one seed. Um, they had a quarterback who was, who was very efficient, may not have played well in that game against the Bengals, but very efficient, solid quarterback, maybe not great, 
Got Henry in the backfield, good offensive line, solid defense, number one seed. Then last year, what happened last year to the Titans? Well, uh, to be honest uh, with you, I think they were a bit fraudulent in 2021. Um, And so 2022 was, I think, a closer version of what we all expected that football team to look like, despite them having gutted it out in a big spot, uh, getting the number one overall seed that season, um, collapsing pretty dramatically against the Cincinnati Bengals. But I think ultimately the thing you have to come back to is one health. They set a record in 2021. They used 91 players uh, over the course of a season um, and then did almost the same thing last year, 86. They were a mass unit and the NFL changed the rules so you couldn't have unlimited amount of players returning from injured reserve in 22. And then, of course, they traded away A.J. Brown, which turned out to be one of the dumbest decisions in the NFL last year um, for a team that has struggled mightily to get the wide receiver position right, finally found one, and then let the Philadelphia Eagles take him all the way to a Super Bowl. So uh, a couple of different things happened to last year's Titans team, but um, 2021 felt like a bit of a flash in the pan. 22 just felt like the bottom fell out. There seems to be from the outside looking in, you tell me if this is accurate or not, because you've forgotten more about it than I'll ever know when it comes to these Titans. There seems to be, friction might be the wrong word. Uh, Perhaps it's just a different vision on where the Titans are going. Um, You know, maybe starting in ownership, but then you start drifting down to the general manager all the way down to the head coach and Mike Vrabel. Is is that a fair... um, statement or no yeah i mean it's i think it's a fair statement um this is mike Vrabel's show uh, i know they hired a new general manager um this offseason and ran carthon but with mike uh his his presence kind of looms heavy over all of these things now amy adam strunk is the controlling owner here it's been a night and day difference in the organization since she took control uh in that way uh Adams, uh, uh, Bud Adams, rather, the uh, the founder of the Tennessee Titans, the Houston Oilers, going back through his family. They had a couple of rough patches, but Amy really got the thing right. And then in letting Mike stay and firing John Robinson as the general manager, um, it whether it was a power struggle or not, she definitely gave more power to Mike in the way that things are going to continue to be run here. Um, and there has been a bit of tension in the last in the last year. It's rare that you see a general manager who had, to that point, six consecutive winning seasons get fired in December of what was at the time a winning season. The Titans had a winning record when John Robinson was fired. Um, and while Mike Vrabel didn't actively jockey for uh, John Robinson to be let go at that point, there was a general shift in that the organization was acknowledging, yeah, it's more about the personnel than it is about the coaching. Um, and whether there was substantial tension there or not, Mike Vrabel was the one who was given the benefit of the doubt. So now they're in a different position. They're trying to reboot this thing. The 2019 AFC Championship was kind of the peak of what this Titans run was. Um, and now that's no longer. They lost seven straight games last year. Everybody is going to be hyper-scrutinized. A, a lot of turnover has already happened on the roster with yet more to come, uh, probably in future off-seasons. But uh, yeah, things have certainly been tense, and uh, and now with Mike Vrabel in as big a personnel control situation as he's ever been, 
um, it's as much scrutiny as he's ever had on on him in this job, where he's had a lot of success, to be fair. Look, I, I, I don't know if anybody around here really knows anything about it, except for maybe Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, or, or the president at Ohio State. You know where I'm going with this here. Um, you know, look, uh, I, I'm an Ohio State fan, but I'll be the first to admit that the, 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 the two most obnoxious groups of fans in the country are Ohio State football and Kentucky basketball. Uh, you know, they, they, they think they should win every game. And, and never lose a game and win championships every year. You must have um, seen my IU diploma behind me if you're throwing Well, my son's going to IU starting next year. So uh, he was just there yesterday. We love the Hoosiers around here. So let me ask you this. Was there any legitimate fear when that story started to sneak out there last year that Vrabel might consider if the opportunity presented itself to go back to his alma mater as head coach? Oh, sure. I mean, they could double his salary. Like, the NFL does not – does not have the resources that college football does, which may seem counterintuitive to a lot of sports fans, but I mean that's that's the facts. Like Ohio State could very easily double his salary and give him the kind of full control that we know that coaches love, right? I mean th- these are these are inherently control freaks, and that's fine. They need to be in their positions. Um, and Mike, in a different environment, would succeed at a very very high level. Um, at his alma mater or any college football program that chose to try and bring him in. Now, how realistic that is for Mike, I don't think that it it would have to be a very, very, like, unpleasant ending here in Tennessee to send him from the pros to college. I think he wants to win a Super Bowl as badly as a coach as he did uh, getting three rings as a player. I think it means a great deal to him, even as he loves Ohio State. So, yeah, absolutely real uh, in terms of the threat there for Titans fans. But I think for, for Vrabel, he's going to try and see this thing through as much as humanly possible. And then if the uh, if the escape cord needs to be pulled or whatever, if things go really badly here in Tennessee, you could do a lot worse than Ohio State, given that Ryan Day was getting a lot of heat uh, with the way that things finished um, for them this season. But right now, it, it looks like they still have a lot of things to figure out as far as like their NIL operations. It would have to be a much higher functioning outfit in this modern day of college athletics, I think, to really be an attractive proposition for Mike Frable to just up and leave of his own volition. Yeah, I think Dave was taking a lot of heat. He certainly uh, bounced back uh, with the way they played Georgia in that semifinal game, but that's not what we're talking about here. Um, Okay, where the Titans are now. So if I hear you right, Buck, do you believe even in a division, which is, you know, not there's not a juggernaut sitting around there in that division. Tennessee has been the juggernaut. Uh, of that division by and large. Jacksonville certainly was better last year and got to the playoffs, and they've got some players. But I don't know if anybody's quite sold on them, you know, joining the ranks of the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals and that kind of thing quite yet. Are you looking at this for Tennessee this year as a as a rebuild year? Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they still have the quarterback. They still have Derrick Henry. Um, but this is a this is a rebuilding football team. You can't lose seven straight games and uh, blow up a lot of your veteran Ross, uh, veteran contracts the way that they needed to to free up cap space just to kind of get themselves back in a in a state that's functioning um, and not consider it to be a rebuild. You can call it retool, remodel, whatever. There's a bunch of different R words you can use for what the Titans need to go through right now. But this is this is a a competitive rebuild as any that you will find in the NFL. Like, I I think last year was the anomaly. I really do. Seven, seven straight games for a Mike Vrabel team to to fall completely flat that way after going to Green Bay and, and slapping around the Packers 
um, even as Aaron Rodgers might have been in a in a lesser state at seven and three at the time, and then going on to not win a single game uh, since November seventeenth. That that's not the that's not the norm around here, and I do believe that Mike gets the best possible effort and and finish out of the guys that he brings in, even if he's finding them off the street. They've had a lot of practice with that in the last two years, but this is a roster that needs to get right, needs to get more competitive, needs to get more talent because. They were already pretty talent thin, uh, and then they did the stupid thing, which was to give away A.J. Brown. So now it's it's uh, it's forced a, a harder uh, kind of rebuild in ways that they kind of already went through last year, but this offseason I think is really indicative. Where they're not spending a lot of money, they're not shelling out a lot of free agent dollars, but they're spreading that across a lot of different bodies because they just need dudes who can come in here and try and put together a competent football team because they have not been that for quite some time. Well, there was a little bit of talk there for a while about Tannehill not coming back, right? Um, not here. You know, I know that was a, that was a, uh, a logical um, conclusion for people to draw when you look at his contract situation and some of the quarterback options that might be out there, but that's not ever been anything that we've heard locally, either okay. that they've put out or around the organization. Um, they've been pretty steadfast in the Tannehill thing. Now, you know, you can take that for what it will. People say all kinds of things at the combine that don't matter, and and in the coming in the in the following weeks, Senior Bowl and and stuff like that. But they've they've been very committed, both uh, publicly and privately, to Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback for at least this coming season. Okay. Do you? They have two first round draft picks. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, Just the one at eleven overall. Oh, at number one. Okay. All right. Then I misread that earlier. Okay. So where 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 are they going? You think where would they like to go? Where do they need to go in the draft with that eleventh pick? To be honest, they need to go quarterback. Um, you know, he doesn't need to start right away. They don't need to have C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, two of the, I think, players who we're looking at as as likely day one starters in the league. But if Anthony Richardson is at all a possibility for them, it makes a ton of sense. Tannehill's got one year on his contract. They tried it with Malik Willis last year. It didn't work. Um, I would, I think, personally, you would rather see them go best player overall in the first round and then address the rest of they need, the needs that they have uh, throughout the next two days of the draft, quarterback makes a ton of sense for a football team that needs to clear cap, is going to have their starter off the books and Derrick Henry off the books unless they extend him to bring down his cap hit in 2024. Uh, and Rand Carthon, as a general manager, needs to get that position right um, more than anything. There are going to be options available for them to do that in this draft, whether they're surefire or not. It's an imperfect science, but first-round quarterback makes a lot of sense for this particular football team. All right, well, the report came out last night that there were six teams that are having conversations, according to Adam Schefter at ESPN, that um, six teams had reached out to the Arizona Cardinals about that number three pick in the draft. Do you think the Titans are one of those six, if you were a betting man? Oh, I, I don't have to bet, I know. Um, they were uh, they were sniffing around um, Arizona's pick. Monty Ford used to work in the front office here. He's their new GM. Um, and they had been exploring options in a couple of different ways, not just third overall with Arizona, but they had definitely been involved uh, in pursuing that, not necessarily pursuing the trade, but looking into that as an option. Um, so, yeah, definitely one of the teams that's explored that possibility. All right. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about here is um, you brought up Derrick Henry in the last year of his deal. Okay, this guy has been a phenomenal player. There's no doubt about it. And, look, running backs – you know, obviously, you got to have an offensive line to create the room for them to run, um, and, and they they've done that in his whole career at Tennessee. 
Uh, they've been a great running football team. Now, last year, you know, there were games he was great, games not so great. I don't know how much of that is on him or not. Um, and then the debate about running backs losing a step the older they get. How do you think they look at Henry at this point in time? He's still a focal point of the offense. Um, as long as on, as he's on the roster, that's what Derek is going to be. That's, you know, central to Mike Vrabel's core beliefs of how you win football games. Outrush the opponent, win the turnover battle, and have a higher QBR at the end of the game. Those are the three things that Mike walks into every team meeting, regardless of opponent preaching. Um, and those are the objectives that they set out beyond what they're going to do to prepare for that individual opponent. And Derek's a big part of that. Now, um, you know, losing a step is something you always start to look at with Derek, but he got he did get caught from behind a few more times than we're used to seeing. Um, last season, coming off the broken foot, foot looks fine. Uh, I think Derek's still capable of being a highly productive NFL player. They, they have to get him a better support system, though. They have no wide receiver help. Um, without A.J. Traylon Burks, who they did get in the first round last year, spent a lot of time on the injury report. They need to get more consistency out of him. They have to keep teams from just outright loading the box against Derek because with, I mean, one of the worst offensive lines in football last year. Like, they were they were god-awful in mm -hmm. front of Derek Henry and Ryan Tannehill in 2022. Um, they've blown that unit up three of the, uh, well, four, of the five starters, uh, excuse me, three of the five starters have already moved on to different spots, either by release or in free agency. And there's still some shuffling parts that they're working through right now. But they have to get better skill positions around him to get defenders out of the box. They have to get a better offensive line in front of him um, for both of the sake of Tannehill and Henry. Because I honestly think Henry, I think they would do well to keep him around for a year uh, beyond this one. I think Derek's totally capable. 1,500 yards is one of his highest single season outputs. And he did it on a terrible football team. Uh, I think that he's still got at least two more great seasons in him. But he's he's more dependent on what's around him than I think he's ever been before. I got you. All right, Buck, we'll let you give. We know you got your show. We certainly appreciate your time today and bringing us up to date on the Titans. And uh, all the best, my friend. Hopefully we'll catch up sometime after the draft and down the road. Thank you again. Pleasure was mine. You have uh, my contact information. Hit me up anytime. All right, thank you so much. Buck Rising down in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Nash Vegas! Nash you ever Vegas. run the streets down there in Nash Vegas a little bit, fellas? I went down there last summer. It was a lot of fun. It was the first time I'd been there since I was over 21, so I got the whole experience. It was, it was good. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Casey? I'm more of a Gatlinburg type of guy. Ooh. Big Lake Town, Gatlinburg. Tom! Mm -hmm. Big Lake Town. Well, usually we... I mean, a little touristy. You know, it's got some, you know, but man, when you, when you step foot into the Smoky Mountains there and get in the park, start walking around, yeah, that is one of my favorite places in the world. That is a majestic place. People talk about the Rockies all the time and they should, but man, you get in the Smokies and the Blue Ridge Mountains and that whole string. Wow. What were you getting ready to say? Something to be a smart ass, no doubt about no. it. What were you getting ready to say? No, no. I could tell by the tone. No, no, you, uh, usually we recap an interview, but you just kind of dropped in the middle of the interview. Well, I mean, you're, you know, you're Nash Vegas here. You no, got to no, address no. Nash Vegas. No, Luke's going to Indiana. Indiana. We learned about it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Mine High School puts out this thing where all their kids are going. They're seniors, right? My wife's out of town. I'm at home. Now, look, I, I know the whole process, where he's applied, where he got in, where he got waitlisted, you know, all that kind of stuff. 
But the, and then we walked through the drill because he wants to get into broadcasting as well. We walked through the whole drill, talking to the deans in the schools of communication from four or five different schools to find out, you know, like you and I've talked before. And I, I, I say this on a serious note, because my biggest issue with a lot of these colleges and universities, as I've said this on the show before, um, is for kids that want to get into broadcasting. And broadcasting is a little bit different than getting into marketing or accounting or something like that. You've got to get reps and find out, A, if you like it, B, are you any good at it, right? And if, and if you don't get that opportunity from a university as a broadcasting student until your sophomore, junior year, junior year maybe, right? You, and then you find out you don't like it or you're not any good at it, you, you've either taken student loans for two years that are sitting on your back for nothing, or your mom and dad, if you're blessed enough, fortunate enough to have that, they, they've paid for something that now you don't want to do, right? So where are you going to get a chance to do stuff right out of the gate? Indiana's that spot. They are running a big league operation up there. So the Hoosiers, the bad news for Luke, as I told him last night, when I went outside and hung out, the Indiana Hoosier Nation flag out front in our house, right? I was digging a little internet, checking out the Indiana football game, football team, right? Mm -hmm. Both of their starting cornerbacks from last year, cornerbacks, apparently are going to the NFL. They're going to get drafted, pretty good players. So they have two brand new starters that will play cornerback. Guess who their season opener is against? The best wide receiving core in the United States of America. The Ohio State University Buckeyes. <laughs> what, a, what a tough task. I said, Luke, it's <laughs> not going to be pretty. Buckeyes rolling the town his very first game as a college student. How big league is that? That's their first home game. Is it's the first State. game, period. Season opener. Golly. At IU. In comes Marvin Harrison Jr. He'll be broadcasting that game. What's that? He'll be broadcasting that Yeah, right. That I'm game. sure. I'm sure. No, but we're very, we're very, very excited. We're very grateful. We're very yeah. thankful. We're looking forward to it. Hopefully everything goes well. Cool. So, um, you Congratulations. know. Uh, we got. Thank you. We got Tracy Jones coming up here in a minute. Anything on your mind with Tracer, Case? It's kind of been a while. You know, we're really getting close now to the big day. I'm glad you brought that up because last night I was sitting there thinking we were, we were texting back and forth about topics, what we wanted to do on the show today, who we were bringing on and everything. Right. And I was thinking, you know, there was a point where we had talked with Tracy a lot about the wedding. We got his thoughts and we pretty much covered all the bases. We haven't really talked to him in a while about it. And we're less than two months away. I know. Oh, we're like we're, 50 days. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's time to maybe revisit things a little bit and just check in and make sure everything's going all right. Well, 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 well just save let's it. just save, save it this. For Tracy. Save this for, save Tracy. It for Tracy. He'll be here in a minute. I, I tell you what, we, we've got one of the sharpest dudes in the world out there. Whoever B. Shelby is, I give it up to the guy. He's in our chat today. Uh oh. But I mean, he's bringing it up. Boy, there's a drive by Castellanos. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, B. Shelby, you have brought your A game and creativity today. There is no doubt about it. I mean to tell you, you could be running the marketing for Bud Light right now with such great ideas. Um, how'd you like that, Tyus? 
<laughs> you like that a little bit? Really, really good. Um, a lot of people are fired up about this whole uh, David Bell thing uh, and, and some of the comments that I've made and about the Reds and the Bulls. We're going to get into all this a little bit later, I promise. Okay? I was being fair there in the open. I made the statement that guys are going to be leaking oil by May, that they had covered five innings in the bullpen on Sunday against Philadelphia. I brought all that up. So, look, manager's got to make decisions on what he's got and who he can use. We have fallen into the trap, however, in Major League Baseball, where we don't use relievers anymore for three days in a row. I'm not talking about running a guy out there for two innings, two innings, three innings. I'm not talking about that. But, you know, Jeff Brantley talks about it all the time. He loved pitching three days. In fact, he thought he was better on the second day or the third day. A little extra sink, a little, little fatigue, things like that. A little better focus because you know you're a little bit tired. Tracy Jones can address this. You know, Tracy, we're sitting here. Good morning, by the way. I hope you had a, a wonderful Easter. Uh, you look quite tan. Um, from being out in Southern California. Uh, what's it like to be back in the Commonwealth? Because you've spent so much, I mean, Lord knows, so no. much time in Southern California that I can only imagine what has rubbed off on you before you came back to Kentucky. Let me tell you something, okay? Yeah. First of all, I flew all <laughs> I'm so tired. So if something comes out of my mouth, I apologize. I flew all night. I have not slept. The things I do for you people is incredible. I mean, do you know what it's like? Tom, I'm sit let, let me give you a visual. So okay. I'm sitting there in first class. I'm thinking, you know, I had my two Grey Goose and, and, uh, and tonics. I'm sitting there in first class. I'm going to go to sleep. I fall asleep. And what do I have? Some J.O. from Coach that comes up and bumps me and wakes me up. First of all, people, when that curtain comes down in first class, you don't come to the first class cabin. That's not your bathroom. I was disturbed. I was. I have not slept at all, so I apologize if I say something or do something. I tell you, the red, eyes, the red eyes are tough. I mean, I've taken. Really tough. Hundreds. Uh, well, all right. Well, I mean, it, it might be a hundred. Uh, I, I can't even count them through the years. And, and they're brutal on your body. Um, you know, if you can't and I couldn't do it. I mean, I, I guess you said you, you were starting to fall asleep. I just couldn't fall asleep on. it. Well, I fell asleep again. And then the, the guy next to me who has the bladder the size of a thimble, he has to get up every five minutes minutes it seems like to go to the bathroom all right but let he me ask you this let me interrupt you let me ask you this because i'm one of those guys who has a bladder the size of a thimble okay <laughs> i like sitting on the aisle in first class you don't have the three in a row you've just got two right. up front right okay right. but what would have happened if he would have said to you when you got on the plane said hey look man uh you know you might want to go to sleep i have a bladder the size of a thimble would you mind taking the uh, window seat and let me have the aisle. What would have been your reaction to that? I would have told him to mind his own business and sit in his seat, keep his mouth shut. <laughs> I probably would have switched with him. I've got to know that. It's kind of like going in and I know that I'm going to get the French toast instead of the 
the quiche, right? It's like those are the things I should know before I sit in my seat. It was just a miserable flight, and, and I'm so tired. I've got three doctor appointments today. My dentist, I have my, I'm getting my heart checked, mm -hmm. and I'm getting my arteries in my neck checked. So I'm, I've got a really, really busy day, and I'm doing it, doing it on zero sleep. What does that mean? You're getting your arteries checked in your neck. I, I mean, I've heard of people getting their heart checked and certainly going to the dentist. What, what does that mean? You know what, my, my very good friend, and Tom, I know you know him, uh, Jim Lewis, is my best yeah. friend without a yeah. doubt. And we're just into this whole health thing and making sure that everything's checked. And it's one of those tests that they don't actually provide at your doctor's office, but you can ask for it. Okay. And it's one of those precautionary type of, remember, my two goals are to have FU money and to live to be 100, right? So that's part of my living to be 100 is I want everything checked. I just had my blood panels uh, gone over for the second time in six months, and now I'm gonna get my arteries and my and my heart checked. And I think it's something that people should do. It's, it's a test that's only $99. So I, I think it's worth it. It, it, it. If there's blockage, they'll find it. And I think the ra the rating as far as the blockage goes from zero to a thousand. So if you have a thousand, you have an issue. You need to get you know heart surgery right away. But we'll see what happens. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because I have a guy that lives down the street from me who is just to look at him is the model of great health, right? Right. I mean, this guy, his name's Terry Howe. He's a lifelong Cincinnati guy. Great guy. Um, I mean, big athletic, works out, whole nine yards. About three years ago, all of a sudden, I don't see him around much. And I see his wife. And I'm like, where's Terry? She's like, he went in for, opened him completely up. Right. And, you know, heart surgery, right? And I was right. like, wow. Well, you know, what happened? I said, well, he went in for his regular physical, didn't do a test kind of like what you're talking about. Yes. And she explains to me this test you can talk it's some kind of calcium test for your heart. It's a, that's what I'm getting. That's okay. exactly so what I'm it's getting. It's interesting yeah. you bring that up because fast forward about two months later, I'm down visiting a friend of mine in Florida. Guy lives across the street from him in his 70s, uh, retired guy, um, and he, he feels like he's having some heart things. So I say to him, I said, look, I said, you know, I, I don't know anything about anything. I said, except for this is what happened to my neighbor. So when you go up to your doctor in Sarasota, bring this up to him. It might be worth exploring. Turns out it saved his life. So right. you sharing this um, is, is great stuff, and we appreciate it. All right, now I want to get into you with some of this red stuff, okay? I, look, from an offensive standpoint, by and large, okay, they have played well enough to have a better record than four and five. And they've shown a lot of grit and a lot of toughness, um, uh, you know, to come back the way they did against Philadelphia two days ago, the way they came back last night uh, to tie mm -hmm. the game and then take the lead before losing the game. Four eighteen. Okay. And, and this was one of the questions I brought up months ago. Okay. And we've talked about creating a winning culture, even all the way down in the minor leagues, which you played on some incredible minor league yes. teams with some incredible minor league talent, right? 
Yep. And that, that, that wave came all the way up through the big league club. The core of that group that you came up with won a World Series in 1990. Yep. What does it do to a team, Tracy, when it starts to happen over and over? Where the bullpen starts to just, you know, give it up, give it up, give it up, give it up. Let's start with what that does to position players. Does it do anything in the clubhouse? That's a great question. And and this was actually an issue with the Reds going back, I want to say, like three or four years ago. Remember, they were a pretty decent team. Yep. And then you turned it over to the bullpen, and it just exploded. And maybe that's what we're looking at again. The number one, if I was a general manager and I had to build a team, of course, we're talking about the starters, you know, the one, two, three guys. But that bullpen, Tom, we've talked about it before, nothing more important because all that starter has to do is go five innings and then you turn it over to the bullpen and you know it's lights out, right? It, it, you're in good hands. Um, as a position ball player, I played with the Tigers in 1990 and we lost, I think we lost 101 ball games and our bullpen was pitiful. Pitiful. And as an outfit, I'd just sit there and I would actually get nervous. Not nervous, but I would like, I'd have to be on my game. You know what a great outfielder I was, Tom, yep. right? Yep. I could play right, center, left, great arm. Well, you're an athlete. Matter. You were an athlete. You were an athlete. Well, I was an athlete. Yeah. I was a greyhound. Yeah. But I actually had to, had to be a greyhound because I was doing a lot <laughs> of running to those gaps. <laughs> and I was like, oh, jeez. Where's this one going? You know, the guy, the guy at the plate. Let's say it's Ricky Henderson. Ricky's not thinking about going oppo taco. He's thinking about pulling it over my head. Right. And it's like here we go. And it's really a problem when they turn over the bullpen and the bullpen doesn't shut it down because so many bullpens are really, really good nowadays. It's a big, big part of a team. All right, but but you know, he, here's the thing that I maintain. You know. The analytics crowd out there, you know, says you can't judge a pitcher by wins and losses. Okay, and I'll listen to their arguments, and that's fine. But give me the guy who's able to pitch seven innings, give up two or three runs. That's a pitcher who more times than not, even with a shaky bullpen, is going to win a lot more games, okay, than getting no decisions and losses. There's no question about that. Here's, though, what is not measured. And again... I'm not patting myself on the back here. I'm just saying that no one likes to have an L next to their name. Okay? Nobody likes having the L next to their name. Ask Casey so, about that. The L standing for standing for loser. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted That wasn't ahead, nice. Finish. I know that, that wasn't, wasn't nice. Okay, so and what I'm getting at is this, Okay. Those pitchers, young pitchers in Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, and we all agree they have a chance to be special guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, they all look like they have a chance to be really good, good Lord willing, good health. But, man, when you're going out there, and look, the Reds have played well offensively. It's still, at the end of the day, not a good offensive team. Uh, when you're going to have a hard time scoring runs or guys that come behind you, Maybe you don't get the L, but you're getting a no decision instead of wins. For starting pitchers, they care about getting wins, okay? Because ultimately, that's how they get paid oftentimes, right? At least it's part of it. Uh, I just feel like, you know, 
it's great to have these young guys in the starting rotation, but what is this doing to them mentally? You know, you bring up getting wins and getting, you know, having the L. That's a big deal. I mean, think about it. You're busting your ass for six, seven innings. And you see the manager, you see David Bell walk out. And you're thinking, I don't want to come out of this game. I might be gassed. I might be tired. But I'll tell you what, I'll do a lot better job finishing this game than that guy in the bullpen. And it's really got to be tough for those guys. Tom, it is about wins and losses. It is about that record. And it's got to be extremely frustrated. Remember, guys, I'd rather go 4 for 4 and lose than go 0 for 4 and win. And this is an example of that, right? Those guys, you know, it's not You don't mean that. Come on. Oh, absolutely. And I hope there's a bunch of kids watching this show right now. That's exactly what I meant. I, I didn't stutter, Tom. Casey, he just brought your name up. Caught a stray, Casey. And I, I mean, that came out of nowhere, right? That's like that guy in New York that should have been in jail for, for years who just walked <laughs> up to that dude standing on the corner on the street in New York and just starts, you know, knocks oh. him into a you know, unconscious and a guy goes in a coma out of nowhere for no oh, reason. But- I mean, what you just did was almost the equivalent word-wise to Casey. You dropped an L on him out of left field for no reason. Why? Yeah, that that's what I refer to as a cheap shot. Uh, l- let me tell you how I work, Casey. If I don't like you, then I don't kid with you, right? That that means that I like you. It's yeah, kind yeah. of an endearing type of thing. You never hear me talk to Paulie, do you? That's because I don't like him. He's a he's a he's a Xavier guy. He's kind of well. He's an the- East Coast liberal elite. <laughs> right, right. He's one we of those private like those. school guys, you know, one of those guys, and um, both high school and college. Not like guys like you and me, Tracer. Public no. school guys. Hey, listen, I need to clarify something. When I told you guys I was cleaning toilets, right? Yes, yes. I out in California, that, right. Okay. Those were not new toilets, guys. Those were from the reuse center that were actually – we're trying to save money with this $2.7 million home. <laughs> so we're trying to save. Wait, is this a joke? They're building it's, a $2.7 million home and they're going to get used toilets for the house. Is that like a California thing or, or what? Um, kind of. I think it is. It's so goofy, right? I mean, the, the, but, but that's to save money and I'm all about saving money. But I was cleaning used toilets. I cleaned five of them. This is why I'm sunburned and red and tired. I cleaned the garage. I cleaned out the pool that was a cesspool. I cleaned the, I drained it, everything, scrubbed it down. Um, This manual labor, Tom, I don't know. I know you've never experienced manual labor, (laughs) but man, it's tough. I'll tell you what, I started to get little calluses on my hands. And I actually wore gloves. But I really, really worked hard. I, I just, I could never work a nine to five job. That's that's what I'm saying. You mean a nine to five job with your hands, right? Manual no. labor. No, I couldn't work a nine to five job, period. 
I'm I'm good for about an hour a day. <laughs> then after that, I have to eat lunch, take a nap, count my money. That's what I do. We're getting very, very close. And we were talking about this before you came on, Tracer, because uh, it, it feels like it's been a while since, uh, Casey, have you updated? You know, we're, we're now down to a month and a half. Yeah. I we're, mean, the, we're knocking on the door here of your wedding day, right? Yeah, it's 50 days, little, little more than 50 days and counting. So we're, we're getting down uh, to the final stretch here. All right, can, is there anything you would like to talk with Tracy about that, 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 that now is starting to become an issue or something on the radar, any of that kind of thing? Um, well, uh, you know, I think the biggest issue right now is just getting everyone to um, RSVP, but they've got plenty of time to do that. And then, I mean, I we're pretty much set and ready to go. We, we really just got right down to it got all the stuff taken care of we're just adding little minor details little extra decorations to the the wedding and whatnot um but everything else is pretty much taken care of i mean yeah casey i know the, the I, I will rsvp the 17th is the deadline right yes yes see i actually have it right here i think that's you right yeah that's Can me yeah, it's me and Alex. All right. Here's a couple things just to, <clears throat> now the prenuptial agreement. Have Pretty impressive, Tracer. Clock? You had that. Pretty impressive. You had that. I got to say. Good? Pretty it's impressive. Go good. ahead. Didn't mean to interrupt. Look, it's all about detail. Um, your uh, fiance, very attractive. Um, but have you put in that weight clause that I talked in the prenuptial agreement to make sure that she hops on that scale? It doesn't have to be monthly, weekly or monthly. We could do it quarterly to make sure that she stays in good shape. Casey, it doesn't apply to you because you're in really good shape, what I've seen. So have you done that yet? Uh, no. Um, in fact, I think she would rather it be that I have the weight clause in the prenuptial <laughs> agreement. Um, and I, she's, the, she's the money maker too, so sometimes she gets to make some of the rules, um, wear the pants in the relationship. But, uh, you know, that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? No, no, there's nothing wrong with that. My wife is retiring December 4th. Wow. And I am so excited because we are going to jump from being in this country 3% of the wealthiest to 1%. So I'm very excited. That's it's, <laughs> I'm very excited. Tom, and I'll tell you off the air. I, I thought, I knew she was gonna retire with a lot of money, but I didn't think it was gonna be like this. I cannot wait to divorce her after she starts receiving her pension payment. It's, it's gonna be great. I'll take you guys all out to the brass ass, everything <laughs> on me, warm oh. beers on me. We'll get the 29 with mayonnaise dance that the girls like to perform. We'll have a hell of a time. My wife is going to be, well, excuse me, we are going to be rich. And I'm very excited. But on a serious note, I'm very proud of her. She started out 
at 17 delivering mail and grinding it out. And Howard Hughes provided a pension that is unheard of. It's matching, it doubles, it compounds. And for 35 years, she's worked at, at this company and they've treated her, her extremely well. And I'm excited for her that she gets to retire. Now here's the catch, Tom. She's retiring with this pension that is unbelievable. But I have told her that she is gonna work part-time because of benefits and she's going to collect half her paycheck, but she is not retiring. She is not gonna ruin my day by telling me, you know, what are you doing today, Tracy? I don't give a rat's ass what Tracy Jones is doing today. Worry about yourself. So she'll still be working. I said work another five years. She says, you want me to work another five years? I said yes. So she's going to work part-time for another five years. So she's really not retiring. She's just retiring because you have forced her into this decision. She is basically going from a full-time job to a part-time job just to keep the benefits. I'm assuming the health benefits, all that kind of thing, right? Very important, right? No I mean, that's like, yeah, I'm not going to pay for that. That would be like, I think about $1,400 a month. Oh, it's more than that because I had to seven. pay for mine after I lost my job. So I'm paying that's for mine a now. Family. It's a lot more than that. Right. But that's that's a family. I already have okay, mine with right, Major okay, League okay. Baseball. Remember, I, I'm set. <laughs> I, I live the life of Riley, Okay. I don't worry about that. I'm just talking about her. I'm talking about a single person is probably about 1300 with a 7,000. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Right. You're right. All right. Um, Casey, anything else I you was, want to bring up with the Tracy? Yeah, Please so, continue. Yeah. So I, since you brought up the brass ass, um, the bachelor. Oh party. boy. Wow. That <laughs> came out of left field. Wow. All yeah, right. Go ahead. Mouth, we, Let her rip. Oh, Here we go. We Speaking are, of a strip oh, boy. we are planning <laughs> on doing pub golf. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. You know what that is? Yeah. I'm well, not going. We're we're going to go around, probably around the OTR, pub golf, go to the Hard Rock. and then back, Can I back up? Yeah. Okay. I've heard of pub. Did you say golf? Yes. All right. I, I've heard of pub crawls. Been doing that forever, right? Solid it, 50 years. It's As the a same. 59-year-old. I started at nine. I'm pretty sure it's but, the same. But what, would, what, is a, what is pub golf? Well, it's like you, you bar hop, but you have certain it's just like golf for a pub though and you have a group and you're supposed to hit or drink a certain amount of drinks and hit under a certain amount of like you have to drink in one gulp or like one 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 sip a certain amount of beer you got par on a beer yeah you got par on beer it's a par four for a 24 ounce of a beer Michelob ultra and everyone's got to do it highlight. in your group does that make sense? No, it makes no sense. I'm asking you, where does the golf? I mean, I, I, I mean, so if you're going into a bar, is is there like one bar you got to drink, like three because it's the equivalent of a par three, and then you walk in? I mean, you're not doing it that way because you wouldn't be able to stand up after the third hole. No. But but I'm saying, what do you do there? I, I don't get so the golf tie-in. It's like one. You take one, like tall, tall draft beer, right? Mm -hmm. And you got to finish it within three chugs or one chug or whatever 
and that would be your your par or whatever and then you go to the next bar and maybe it's do you know anybody <clears throat> that can drink a dr- glass of draft beer in one gulp yes well i guess you by, never by, would have to do one gulp you'd have to do it in three yes right Correct. on a par three yeah or a par four or four five right yeah okay got right. i got you okay now i now i'm getting it but but there's also like other challenges like shots, how many shots that you can take Whoa, at the boy. Same spots, and you progressively get Whoa. more challenging. Whoa. Do you think go. that's wait a minute? Hold on, hold on. Do you think that's a really good idea with Tom's drinking problem that he has? Do you hey, think that's I good? just got through. Thank God, Lent, and I was in some positions where it would have been right up my alley <laughs> to have a cold cocktail or two. Well, the thing is, if you're in a group, right, if you do it in a group, you don't. we don't necessarily have to all do it. We can just have one person do this hole, and then you score it that way. So then you don't get super wasted. But we haven't really decided on that yet. We haven't decided if everyone's doing the challenge at the bar or if it's based on teams. But anyway. Is, is Polly going? Is Polly going? Paul's not old enough to drink yet, I don't think. <laughs> Uh, I'm going if you're going, be, Tracy. Well, I'm not going if you're going because I'm not going to be associated with a bunch of dorks. <laughs> see that? I see. I knew that answer was coming, so that's why I'll, I'll leave the I'll leave the ball in your court, Tracy. <laughs> I'll be there, boys. I'll be there. All right. I'm a lot hey, of fun. You have any dates on this yet, Casey, or no. what? Because some of our friends here on the chat, you know, they might want to just meet you and have a celebratory, congratulatory uh, beer at one of the stops along yeah. the way, or maybe you'd rather just keep it to a small group. Tracy might have a problem there if you start opening it up to others. Well, I, we haven't set a date yet. And after the beer hopping, we're going to go to the casino at the Hard Rock, which I know Tracy probably doesn't like that much because risking money. risking money. But then after <laughs> that, brass ass. Whoa! Maybe. I don't know. Uh, That's sounds a like a big league night. You know what? You, you don't want to be out in Covington late at night. A lot of things go down in Covington after midnight. After midnight gets a, a, you know what? The whole thing with drinking, and Tom, I don't know if you would agree with or disagree with this, but I really judge people when they drink because their true personality comes out. Like, you know how I'm a jerk on this show, right? Because I'm sober and drinking coffee. If you get me out drinking, I'm very pleasant. I'm a very nice guy. I'm one of those guys that give you hugs. I give you kisses. I'm one of those guys. Warm, Beautiful. fuzzy guys. Beautiful. But I, I don't like the guy that gets all muscly. Yeah, wants to starts fight. Starts talking about himself. Right. Starts right. bragging about himself. How yep. much money he has that he plays with five, for five major league teams. I don't like those guys. <laughs> I like the guy that is nice and friendly. Yep. And I, I tell you what. I'll tell you what, when I'm out and I start drinking, I pay for all the tabs, too. So you want to make sure that I'm on that uh, whatever thing you're doing there, Casey. Well, everyone in the office, and you included, Tracy, are invited to come. All right. Well, I can't wait. I just I know it's going to be after – it's going to be in May, sometime in May, after we're done with the softball, baseball stuff with Miami because as of right now, we're, we're – focused in on that for the weekends and whatnot but after that sometime in may yeah. beautiful we'll be doing beautiful. that 
All right, Tracy, we'll let you run. We know you have doctor's appointments and all that kind of thing going on today. Dentist appointments, three different. Uh, all the best. Godspeed on all of those visits today, and we'll catch you uh, day after tomorrow. All right. Thanks, boys. Have all a good right, week. Tracy. You too. Tracy Jones will join us again on Thursday. I think he, he'll still join us on Thursday. He said have a good week. Maybe he forgot about Thursday already. <laughs> all right. Uh, Ham and Eggers, take it away before we get to Doc. Talked about bladder size of a, what did he say? What do you say? What do you call it? Whatever. I don't know. Take it away, boys. Ham and Eggers, Mr. President. Take it it's away. The time of this show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me. I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Well, the Tracy Jones Report. Hold on. There we go. Tracy Jones Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Right on your game today, Casey. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. There's also, right here in front of me, got a new bottle this morning, a new premium alkaline water out that is Pawnee, and it's made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at pawneewater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Get your coffee from UDF. Bet with Betfred. Drink Pawnee water. And get your technology solutions from Encore.tech. Casey, I got to tell you, yeah. I am um, I'm battling through an injury. An injury? And I don't know how I sustained it. This is going to – there are going to be some jokes in the chat when I say I don't know how I got this injury. I don't know. I was driving in this morning, and I don't know if I bit my tongue or what happened, but it feels like the right side of – my mouth got shot up with Novocaine, and I'm just, like, talking with a lisp. <laughs> Every time I touch the, the whole right side of my tongue, the whole right half of my tongue, feels like it's just got cut off. You must have bit it in your sleep. I don't know. I must have bit it in my sleep or something because, man, it hurts like crazy. We're battling through. We are hurt and injured this morning, but it's okay. It's all right. Casey, anything on your mind? Um, You know, I've just – some, I don't know if we're going to continue talking about the Reds at all, but... We will. After after Doc, we're going to get okay. into the NBA postseason, yeah. and we're going to get into the Reds. So, I just... I was I was just sad, because they deserve to, to win that game, in my opinion. I, I They've been so close to winning these games, and it's just like... They've had... they've. I feel like this is worse than just straight up losing, because you... you you're losing like it's just like you expect it but when you have that last bit of chance of like that little hope towards the end that you could pull this out and win a game against a good team or win the series or whatever and it just slips through your hands i mean the reds are better than four and five and we've already said that before but it's just like man a lot of people that were already down on the reds or just like oh same old reds i'm like ah it's not really though because at least last year it was just them getting blown out time well and time again the reds have had 
either they've either been tied or had the lead in every game so far this year. Goes, yeah. to, goes to talk about the bullpen. But, but here's the thing, okay, and we're going to get into this later. The, the offense has outperformed what everybody knows they are. You know, that's a whole thing about baseball. You, you, you will go through stretches, and every team does it. I don't care who it is. The best teams, Atlanta, San Diego, Dodgers, whoever you want to pick, right? You're going to go through stretches where you, you, as a team, you hit. And then individual players will have their different streaks, right? The Reds have performed better offensively through the first nine games than they are going to perform this year. You can take it to the back. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to bring up some younger player. And look, even a guy like Barrero, all of a sudden, you know, everybody wanted to throw him out and bring up McLean. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, now all of a sudden, you know, what do you have, three hits last night? Yeah. Now, it's only one game. But, you know, you, you just can't rush to make conclusions about players when you're talking about guys that don't even have eight or 900 major league at bats, I mean, they're facing the very best pitchers in the world for the first time. And when that bullpen gate opens most nights for other teams, they are bringing in guys one after. It's very rare. Pick a guy like Barrera. Let's just pick him since I brought up his name. Okay. He's going to see a starting pitcher in a game, which most of these guys he's facing, he's seeing for the first time. Not all of them because he saw a few last year. So he'll face a starter for two at-bats because starting pitchers aren't going more than five, six innings by and large in most games. Okay, well, now his third at-bat, here comes a guy throwing 98 out of the bullpen. His fourth at-bat, here comes another guy throwing 100 out of the bullpen. Okay, with sliders and change-ups. And, I mean, it is not easy, man. It's the hardest thing to do in sports. So, but the Reds as a team, an offensive standpoint, they have outperformed what the back of their bubblegum cards would say. Small sample size for most, albeit. They have outperformed what the card says through nine games. That's not going to continue. You can make the argument, conversely, that Hunter Green is going to be better than he was his first two starts because he's not been good. He's had moments and flashes, but, I mean, he's pitching like a young man pitching in the big leagues from opening day for the first time ever. That's what he's pitching like. He'll have an inning where he pitches, you know, first inning. Boom, 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 one, two, three, 11 pitches. Second inning, 30 pitches. Can't get out of his own way. Pitch clock violations, all this kind of thing. Lodolo and Ashcraft are not going to go six, seven innings every game. They're just not. They both have had excellent starts, two of them each, to begin the year. But that bullpen, um, you know, like I said, T.J. Antone comes back if he comes back. Um, and uh, Lucas Sims will change the face of that bullpen overnight because those two guys have great stuff. Those are legitimate, big-time major yeah. league relievers. Yeah, they are. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Antone especially. I, that guy breaks my heart, what's happened to him. I really don't know. I, you know, I, look, I don't have any inside information, but
but it just seems like every time he's ready to come back, something happens, right? And that's a guy who I think could have been a better starting pitcher than any of the guys they have in that starting rotation right now. His stuff is that good. They don't even have him on the roster. All right. We have, uh, let's see here. Trace Fowler informs us uh, that he admires Antone for coming back. True. Two Tommy John surgeries. No, no debate about it. No debate about it. But Tom, let me ask you this. Oh. All right. Let me ask you this. Okay. All right. And we're going to, you know, I'm going to wait because Doc, I think, is coming on any minute now. But I want you to, a little food for thought here. And there are different arteries off of this main vein, as I like to say, right? Let's start with the financial part of it, which we know the Reds are, are very close to the best when it comes to spending money on this team, okay? So if you brought up a bunch of young guys that have really good stuff, you're not quite sure if they're ready for the big leagues or not, but let's just say that you decided – I'm not going to watch 32-year-old, 33-year-old, 34-year-old guys in my bullpen. In some cases, never got to the big leagues until last year at 32 or 33. The Laws and the Cruises and these guys. I'm not going to watch this stuff. I'm not watching it. I'm bringing up a bunch of young guys, sticking them in that bullpen. And if i got to pay them a year early, or if they get knocked around a little bit, Mentally, they better be able to take it, or they shouldn't even be in professional sports. Would you do that? If you felt like you had guys down there that, that, that had the stuff to come to the big leagues. Sure, why not? I mean, at this point, when, when, you're, looking for, when you're looking for something, it can't be any worse, right? Uh, I, I don't think that that's necessarily the worst thing in the world is to, to go out there and give them – now. There are flip sides to that, like you said, hurting confidence, whatever it might be, because then do they have to get sent back down? You're, you're wasting options, all those kinds of things. But I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world. Tom, I do have one question. I know this is shifting gears a little bit. I want to, I, I want to ask you one thing before Doc gets on because we don't have to spend too much time on it. But from your experience and just being around the league – why does Tampa – because they seem like a town that would have an appetite for baseball. Yes. I know it's the stadium. But is there any other factor why they just never draw anybody? I have friends down there who are huge baseball fans. And we're talking about older people now who really love baseball. These sure. are retired people. friend is a retired – High school teacher, I've gotten to know very, very well for a family lives across the street from us. Uh, he still works a little bit in, in child services for the county down there in St. Pete. Loves baseball. So for him, for those who have not been down there, uh, the Rays Stadium is actually in St. Petersburg, Florida. Have you ever been there? No, I've not okay, been. Okay, so you come across, if you've ever been there, you drive down 75, right? And you're going down there and you can peel off to loop around Tampa to get you if you want to go further south on your way down to wherever you're going, right? Sarasota, Keys, whatever. Um, so you loop around uh, downtown St. Pete, and they have done an incredible job with downtown St. Petersburg. It is a really cool little area, and it used to be a dump about 10 years ago. 
But they built this ballpark there, and they built it to tell you how old this stadium is. This ballpark was built thinking the San Francisco Giants were going to leave San Francisco and come to Tampa, right? That's why the stadium, they built that stadium without even having a team. So they built it six years before the Rays were even a franchise starting in 1998. When they opened playing there, it was already dated, right? Now, down in Florida, you have to have, and it took the Marlins two decades to figure this out, you have to have a dome stadium. Now, retractable would be perfect, but this is a completely dome stadium. It's a dump. But, you know, people down there tell me, because of the location and the traffic is so bad, going from where a lot of the season ticket holders might be in Tampa to drive down there and to try and get over there that particular time of day, it's just really hard and all these kinds of things. And then they'll use the stadium. Look, once you get in the stadium and you sit down, right, you're watching Major League Baseball. And it's not a terrible place to watch a game. It doesn't have all the amenities that the new places have. There's no doubt. But, I mean, I went back and looked at their attendance figures for the entire life of the franchise before our show today to make sure I had the numbers right. It's just mind-boggling. And there are a lot of people that live down there. Tampa is a huge city. Right? Bleeds right into St. Pete. I mean, hell, they're almost bleeding into Sarasota now. It's a huge area with huge baseball fans. I mean, high school baseball, college baseball. They love baseball in Florida. I don't know why they don't draw. And you're not seeing it. You're seeing a great product. They've only been to the World Series one time. They got beat. Or two times. They got beat. Um, But... Man, four years in a row, they've been to the playoffs. I mean, think of the Reds, okay? And they're not drawing anybody anyway. Somebody brought up in the chat they're averaging 23,000 a game. The only reason they're averaging 23,000 a game is because they sold 45,000 tickets in the first game. You take that out, they're under 20. But can you imagine if the Reds had a game where they were playing a great American ballpark with a chance to clinch a divisional title. There is zero chance there would be 17,000 people. there. They may not sell it out, but they're going to have 28, 30, 31, 32, 34,000, right? I think they would. I think great American at this point, if they were competing yeah. for a postseason spot, they would be. They sold would. Out. Sell, they well, would you know what? You out. say that and I'm not going to buy it for a second. And here's why. Because in 2010, everybody and his brother tells you they were there when Jay Bruce hit the home run, right, to clinch the National League Central Division. Yeah. It was the first time the Reds had been to the playoffs since 1995. They had the one divisional or the, 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 the one-game playoff against the Mets in 99. But 2010 was the first time they played a game to clinch a playoff spot since 1995. Not even close to sold out. So, I've said a thousand times before, Cincinnati is not the baseball town everybody around here thinks it is. It's not. 
They've never drawn 3 million fans in a season. And they had a 58,000-seat stadium for arguably the greatest team that has ever been assembled in baseball history. And they never drew more than 2.5 million. So to say they, but anyway, we're back to the point now. Okay, I'm getting, I'm getting off track. But the, the Reds would draw a big crowd for that game. Yes. Right, okay. They draw more than 17,000. Well, they draw more than 27,000. Oh, I think. no doubt. I think that they would be in the low 30s. Probably. And, and maybe if it's a Friday or Saturday night, maybe they sell it out. If it's a Tuesday night, Wednesday night during the work week in yeah. September, probably not. But Friday night, Saturday night, Cardinals are in town, somebody like that, Cubs, you got a chance to clinch. Maybe they sell it. But the point being is that that gives you an idea of, of that whole Tampa Bay thing. I mean, and I said it before and I say it again. I love Tampa, Florida. I love going there. Love it down there. I mean, I was going down there as a little kid when the Red Spring training was there in Tampa. And they played at Al Lopez Field. First time I ever saw a Reds game is when my dad got the job in 74. We're living in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And we go down to uh, Tampa, Florida for his first spring training. So the first base, major league baseball, well, I, I saw another major league baseball game as a kid, but um, the first Reds game I ever saw was in Tampa. And we go there every year for spring break. Love Tampa. But man, how they have a team. Them in Oakland. And it's a shame. For that matter, I got to tell you, Miami should not have a team. They're in the same boat. I mean, they're averaging 13, 10, 9,000 fans a game. So where would you put these teams? Well, you got to go Vegas number one. Without a doubt. You got to put a dome out there. Well, no question. Yeah. Build a retractable dome in Vegas. Right? Baseball fought that whole thing, and now they've watched every other sport and go into Las Vegas. And per usual, Major League Baseball is last to the dance because they're worried about the gambling. But now they're all in bed with the gambling. Um, so Vegas is one. Now, where you go after that, I'm not, I'm not sure where you would go. What do you think? Some people say Charlotte. I don't know about that. I don't know about Charlotte. Yeah, people have talked about Charlotte. People have talked about Nashville. People have talked about putting it. The team. Reds would fight that tooth and nail, by the way. A so Na- would the Braves. A Nashville team, yeah. Mm-hmm. A, people have talked about going putting a team back in Montreal. That is where I would consider going. Putting a team back in Montreal? Yeah. Yep. What about Mexico City? Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I, do, you, do you think they do that? I think that you could pull that off easily. Easily do that. You can't put an look unless they unless they dramatically change something. Um, you're not going to put an NFL team in Europe. The travel is just too brutal. I know they talk unless they about, create a whole division. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Unless you do something really radical out there, but to stick a single team over somewhere in Germany or London or wherever it might be, you, you're going to need to do more than that. But look, Mexico City. I mean, you know, look. From Cincinnati, you're getting to Mexico City faster than you are to San Diego or San Francisco. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think you got to consider that. Is Louisiana too too close to the Astros? Louisiana would not work. I, yeah, they wouldn't put a team in New Orleans. 
I, I don't know. I was just thinking of like what what other like professional sporting teams there are that are very big in other towns like yeah i mean they're not putting a team in memphis they're not putting a team in and charlotte does kind of intrigue me but how close that is to the braves yeah. you get a little bit of the the nationals down there too might fight that because i know uh masson's coverage gets down into the carolinas um i i'm looking at the map right now i i don't know i wouldn't Nashville, Vegas, and Montreal are the first three to come to mind if you talk about moving cities. I think baseball would give long I, – I think it would come down to Mexico City and, um, and uh, Montreal for a second one behind Vegas if you were going to do it. Maybe all three. Um, although Miami's not going to go anywhere. They have a brand-new ballpark, ton of money down there. Um, they're not going to do it. But, 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 but Tampa Bay, now some would argue, and, I, and, and I'm not down there, I don't know. I've heard many people make the argument that if you were to move the stadium and put it in Tampa, right? Retractable dome, all the amenities, brand new place, you'd see a different result. They made that same argument in Miami because they were playing at old Joe Robbie Stadium, right? Now Hard Rock Stadium where the Dolphins play. That did not have a retractable dome. They, they, they fought the battle of the afternoon rain. People didn't want to come down there because, you know, you couldn't go to batting practice. If you want to bring your kid to sit there and watch BP, you couldn't do it because half the time they didn't have BP because of the afternoon rains they get down there. And everybody said you build a brand-new stadium in downtown Miami instead of up in Lauderdale or in between Lauderdale and Miami where Joe Robbie is, uh, you're, you're going to draw fans. Nope. Crummy product, ownership spends no money. Derek Jeter went in there. He found out what it's really like. Um, and they have got, it, it, I mean, it is a really nice place to watch a game. It's a cool place to watch a game, that stadium in Miami. It's just cool. It's yeah. kind of hip, you know, funky little area right on the edge. You have a little bit of edge to it. And, you know, it, uh, but nobody's going to those games. And they said, build the stadium. They will come. They've not come. Now, you could say it's because, you know, they got a crummy product. I don't know. Mousecop makes a <laughs> – I know he's, he's messing around. He says, I don't think Austin would work too hippie. They don't value pastimes like us true Americans do. I know he's, he's messing around saying that, but I don't think Austin would work either. It's been growing. It's growing at a pretty rapid pace, but you're so close to Houston. You're so close to – Dallas to then complete that triangle of putting another team in there. I just don't know if Texas, because that's the other thing is you'd be putting three teams in Texas that are all close together. It's not like spreading a team out, out West more. I just don't think that putting a team in Austin would work too much. Um, Virginia beach has a triple a team right now. Uh, obviously you're very, you are intimately familiar with that team, Tom, down there in Virginia Beach. Yep, yep. Uh, but, yeah, I think the, the first three cities you're probably looking at are, are Nashville, which I don't necessarily think would happen, but it could happen. Could happen. But Vegas, Montreal, Nashville, those three. I tell you what's amazing. I don't know if you guys saw the thing that came out in the Sports Business Journal yesterday about the attendance in the NBA. 
Yeah, isn't it record-breaking? I'll tell you, man, uh, and, and I don't follow the NBA all that closely, but they went through every single team's attendance, and attendance is up, way up, overall. Set an all-time record in the history of the NBA. But, but in one of the columns where they had average per game, they had percentage of capacity. And I'm going to tell you what, man, it is unbelievable. Every team in the league, with an exception here or there, was up in the 90%, and multiple teams were at 100% capacity for the season. It's incredible, especially with all the players that sit out some games. I know they're trying to change that rule or like make it so that they can't win yeah. awards and whatnot, but like, there's a lot of teams that will sit their best players just to give them rest time. And, man, that that really is incredible. I did see that article, though. I, mean, I, I didn't read it. but Yeah, I, I mean, I got to go back and see if I can find it because um, I, I, I just couldn't believe how well those numbers are. I'm going to see if I can find this well, thing because I eventually deleted it, it, but I had read it all this morning. Did you guys find it? No, I don't have that graphic. Um, I... I, I think it's – go ahead. I'm going to pull up the play-in tournament, that, that graphic from that we've been meaning to put up for people. Okay. So this is what this the – This is the postseason the graphic. postseason graphic. Which begins NBA. tonight, by the way. Um, okay, so he, here's a deal. All right, let's just look at the left-hand side because it applies the same to the right-hand side, okay? The two games down at the – or the game down at the bottom pits the seven and eight seeds. Eight teams total will make the playoffs. But to add some intrigue and give everybody a chance for their team to get in the play-in game, they created this, and it's actually pretty cool, I think. I agree. Um, so the winner of that Lakers-Minnesota game, the winner is automatically in the playoffs, and in this case would play the number two seed, Memphis Grizzly. They'll go in as the seventh seed. The loser of that game. So let's just say the Lakers win. Okay, Lakers are in. Minnesota would still have a chance to get in the playoffs because Minnesota would then play the winner of the game up above it on the screen there between New Orleans and Oklahoma City, the 9 and 10 seeds. So Lakers in, let's say if they win, Minnesota would play winner of New Orleans v. Oklahoma City and then be the eighth seed to take on number one, Denver. I think it's a pretty cool way they got it set up there. Yeah, yeah. add some intrigue. Yeah, I like it a lot. I, I didn't know much about it. I just now started doing my homework on it, and I really like it. I think it's a, an interesting spin on, on the playoffs. At first, when I heard of play-in games, it, I thought it was more just like, more or less – we're just going to add more teams to the NBA playoffs. But it's not really that necessarily. Right. They, they have to win. you got to win two games at least, right, if you're the ninth and tenth seed. So those teams that, you know, are right on that borderline would then have either a winning record or at least break even, right? That And that makes sense for them to be the eighth seed. So I like it. I like it a lot. Um 
out of those two, out of the let's the pull up the bet, Fred, really quick while you're yeah. talking. We got yeah. lines from bet Fred on these games tonight. We do. All right, yep, let, 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 let's right get uh, tell us what they are and let's have a little fun. Let's each well, pitch these games. Actually, they're they're scrolling across the the bottom of the screen right, All right now. There we go. The the Hawks are playing the Heat. Heat are four and a half point favorites over the Hawks tonight. Game is in Miami. Uh, yep. That's and the total 220, uh, 228. I always have trouble reading this font if it's 220 or 228. And then the T Wolves and the Lakers. Lakers are pretty substantial favorites in that one, eight and a half. Uh, totals at 233. Cavs are plus 3,000, I think. You'll see it here in a second. Scrolling across the bottom, I think the Cavs are plus 3,000, might be 3,500 3, to win the title. We'll see 3,000 to win the title. So that came down a little bit from 3,500. Um, okay, where are you picking here? If you had to pick those two games, what would you do? Um, well, we're going to pick those two games, and let's see how we fare here tonight. Yeah. we got two more tomorrow night. So I'm going to go uh, – let me make sure nothing has updated in the last hour since we've done that. Okay, so I'm going to take the Heat at 4.5, and, and then I'm going to take the Timberwolves at plus 8.5. So the Heat minus 4.5, and, and I'm going to take the Timberwolves at plus 8.5. Okay. In that game tonight. Casey. Casey. Um, I think for me, I'm also going to take the heat. Um, I love what they're doing with uh, uh, what, what they did. They made that trade um, early earlier in the season. Um, can't remember the guy's name, but I, I remember liking it a lot. It's been a while. Um, and then I'm going to I'm going to take the Lakers because Minnesota has just been on the down downtrend man uh, ever since they lost their their best player it's it's not been great for them so i'm gonna take the lakers on those two two games tonight heat and lakers the two favorites i'm with you i'm taking both home favorites okay lakers look like they're getting their legs underneath them a little bit here yeah they're and it's really very well d'angelo russell former buckeye yeah Got it going on that was a great trade it really was to get d'angelo russell and Ever since LeBron was sitting out, it just seemed like they started to figure out how to win without him. And now that LeBron's coming back, I don't know. Look out. Look out. You know, it brings us to the question which is being asked in the chat, and no one has championed this more than Andy Furman, who used to be on the radio, WLW, regularly. Yeah. He was my first boss, in fact, out of college at Channel 5. He was a sports director when I started there out of OU. Uh, love the guy. Uh, I mean, love the guy. I know he's a little outrageous and gets out, but I mean, he is a beautiful man. Um, and, you know, he's from New York. And he has been, uh, you know, for years and years, he fought the battle of trying to get an NBA team here to Cincinnati. Now he's moved on with a group very active to try to get an NBA team in Louisville. When I brought up about the capacity of NBA games, and look, there are markets that are the you know equivalent of where Cincinnati is. Okay, uh, you know, you look at the Milwaukee's. Um, what other cities come to mind? New Orleans, places like that, roughly our size, you know, market size, that are you know putting a lot of fans in the stands. But the NBA is a very expensive ticket, right? I mean, it's expensive to go to an NBA game. It's not like going to a baseball game. Yeah. Right? It's more like a football game, if not more. Depending on where you sit. Okay. Yeah. But, it, but it's not a cheap ticket. I mean, you know, yeah, it, it, it is pretty dependent on, on you know, the, 
the team, the matchup. Like it's if the Knicks are in town or the Lakers are in town. If you're going to see a Pacers game against the the Knicks or the Lakers, that's going to be a whole lot more expensive than if the Thunder are in town. But that goes the same for any sport. You know, if the Yankees or the Red Sox are at Great American Ballpark, that's going to be a little more expensive than something else. But, you know, yeah, I, I see what you're trying to say there, though, Tom. I'm yes. just asking you, do you think – and look, it all starts with the arena because it's all it's all a waste of breath to even have this conversation. If you don't do something – and Jeff Birding is fighting that fight down there. I mean – I'm not involved with Hamilton County. I know I hear the budget numbers on the radio or television, city of Cincinnati, whatever it might be. But it just blows my mind that they have done nothing with that arena down there since the 1970s when it opened. Yeah. I mean, I just can't believe we live in the city we live in. And, I, and I've lived in multiple cities during the course of my life. I've not loved living anywhere more than here. I mean, I love this city. But it is embarrassing that we don't have what Kansas City has. We don't have what Boise, Idaho has. We don't have what Des Moines, Iowa has. Um, for that albatross down there, and what it could be. Well, I'm not getting into politics here. But we would have been the city to have the Republican National Convention two years ago. And the NCAA tournament. Right. And we lose out to Cleveland. I mean, you compare downtown Cleveland to downtown Cincinnati. Night and day. Yeah. Night and day. You know, but, you know, we're losing out because we don't have an arena. And, I mean, the, 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 man, when you look at those plans they have or someone, I mean, they're yeah. unbelievable, right? A, a lot of the funding would probably have to be private funding given the, the, the now Paycor stadium deal. Um, I, I think a lot of the Hamilton County residents are a little frustrated <laughs> with what they were hamstrung with because of that deal. So I think a lot of the funding for that would have to be private. But if you know me or if you followed me on Twitter, there is no bigger advocate for a downtown arena and a new one or a completely renovated U.S. bank. You'd probably have to build a new one or a completely renovated one. But there are so many benefits to it for this city. The problem is I don't know – if you would find a way without a regular tenant, because even the Cyclones well, of maybe being a regular yeah. tenant. Right. But when I was out in Kansas City, I was asking people about this uh, a few weeks ago when I was out there for the NCAA tournament, because there's no regular tenant at T-Mobile. Is it T-Mobile Center or T-Mobile Arena? Well, the other one's in Vegas. It, the T-Mobile, I think it's the center uh, in, in Kansas City. Kansas City, it was the first time I'd been there. Kansas City has has nothing on Cincinnati except that arena. Very comparable city. No question. Yeah. Very comparable. Both city nice towns. Both. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Kansas like, City is a really cool town. Yeah. I yeah. was I was walking around Kansas City, in downtown. The hotel was right across from the arena, so you were able to walk around, go to Kansas City Live, do all that. And I was walking around, going to the bars, you know, and and seeing some of that stuff, and just seeing the sights, and it, it was eye-opening to me looking at what Kansas City has 
and thinking what Cincinnati could be simply with the addition of an arena for, like you said, Tom, not just sporting events, concerts, whatever else, conventions. I know they have the convention center. I get that. But whatever it could be that you could put in that arena would be a massive deal for this city. Now, the problem is without a regular tenant, you might not profit straight off of the arena. It might be having to convince somebody that the city would financially profit off of it, say from people traveling in, hotels, you know, the, the GDP of Cincinnati right. would increase because of the arena. But maybe you don't necessarily profit a ton out of just having the arena without having an NHL team, which I think would actually do pretty well in Cincinnati. I think people would get behind an NHL team. In fact, in fact, I would be a bigger proponent of bringing an NHL team here than an NBA team. Okay. I, do, I do not think an NBA team would survive all that well in Cincinnati. Everybody in the chat will disagree with me. I just don't think an, I think an NHL team would do better in Cincinnati than an NBA team would. That's just my personal opinion, and I, I'm I'm alone on that. I'll, I'll I don't that. think I don't think I, you're I don't think that you're alone on that at all. I think there's a perfectly logical argument, especially when you take into account. It, this is a good basketball town. I mean, when Cincinnati and Xavier are both good, they, they they'll that's sell what I out mean. every game. That's what I mean. Yeah, and I, I think it would take a lot given. Now that Cincinnati's in the Big 12, you look at Xavier and what they're building, I know an NBA team would bring a lot of uh, attention, and obviously, depending on how good they got, if they were to get star power or whatever, you know, that, that people gravitate to professional franchises. But I think you toss in having a, a high major professional franchise, because technically, you know, the, the Cyclones are professional, but having that high major professional franchise in an NHL team, I think they'd do well, especially if they were the tenant downtown but the other thing too is you put a an arena downtown and and you're able to host you know an ncaa tournament event but say cincinnati or xavier i i don't know what the size of this arena would be well you'd have to make it probably in the neighborhood uh, if you were thinking about being thinking about being an nhl or nba you know 25 probably no 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 no. you can get away with you can get away with 18 to 22 Somewhere in that range. Okay, so we'll call yeah. we'll call it twenty. Call it twenty. Say you're getting a twenty thousand seat arena. I mean, that's twice the size of both Fifth Third and Cintas. Now the problem is that what Cincinnati did was instead of creating one big state of the art arena, they they have now have three medium sized arenas in Cintas, Fifth Third, and then over across the river. Now it's Truist Arena. I don't think that because you're either going to renovate. Heritage Bank, right. which would take a while, and it would take, it would take a lot long while. It would take a long time to renovate that. You'd basically be starting from the ground up. You would basically have to start that from the ground up. Or you're building a new one, and you're building that maybe over by where the convention center is and some of that new development where uh, the, you know they're, they're coming out with all those new plans for the city's redevelopment over there by 75 and uh, some of that green space and everything that they're in the, in the hotels that they're building, that whole master plan that they have over there on that side of the city. Problem is there, you're, you're removed from the stadium district, you know, being down by Paycor, Great American, and having the arena and all of that right down there and all that attention down by the banks. It sets up too well that maybe, yes, you sacrifice a year of whatever it might be at Heritage Bank, concerts, the Cyclones, whatever they have to play somewhere else, whoever else it might be, whatever other team you might have. But uh, I just think 
the value that it would bring to the city. I know people have fought against it because they don't think it would bring enough value without having a regular tenant. And I'd have to do a, a deeper dive into the numbers on it. But I've spent a long time on Twitter going in, looking at the renderings and seeing what this could be. And it just feels like it could be such a special place for Cincinnati having that down there. You know, I was looking at the um, – because somebody brought up in the chat it would be nice to have an NHL team at the arrival of Columbus. I, I think it would really hurt Columbus. Yeah. Uh, and the Blue Jackets would fight that tooth and nail, no doubt about it. But I tell you what, you, know, you, you look at these Columbus Blue Jackets numbers. They're pretty good. Yeah. They're right in the middle of the pack uh, for the league. Um, you know, but I mean, they're averaging, they have averaged almost 17,000 fans a game each of the last five years. They're up at 16, 9, 16, 8, 16, 7. Whatever. They've averaged over 14,000 fans every year since 2011. They, you know, they had it when they first started, they were getting 19, you know, came Columbus. down, yeah, when they yeah. first opened the arena. And that's a great arena. You yeah. come down, you know, they got in the 14,000s, but now all of a sudden they're starting to they, – they've, they've had some good teams. They're starting to ramp back up again. I mean, that's pretty impressive to be at 17,000 because it, uh, hockey plays, what, 82 games? Oh, uh, NBA plays – I think it, hockey used to play 82. I don't know if they all – All right, so you got 41, 40-plus yeah. dates a year. Yes, around oh, 40. That's yeah, a yeah. lot of people, man. Yeah. And that's I, a lot of money. Yeah, 82. I was the only thing I would say to add on to this conversation is if they were able to one build TQL to have a a team like FC Cincinnati come in, and I know they they started in much lower leagues and built their way up, but if they were able to do that and they have crowds that are getting sold out right now, I mean, I think you could easily have an NBA team here. Oh, it is much popular in Cincinnati than soccer is. And I think you would also you, – you might even be able to get away with an NHL team. I think you would have a very similar – as long as the, the way it has to work, right, and the way that all sports work is if they have a good team or not. They have a good product in front of you. But, you know, we can't really predict that. And the only way that you can otherwise get a team is by building a great arena – Having yeah. the amenities there, got to have other reasons to go other than to watch a losing team. So, if if Cincinnati truly wants one of those things to happen, I think what what something has to happen. That's like the chicken before the egg sort of situation. That's here. right. So the problem is, I mean, I, they're I, in the ultimate situation. They're the chicken or the egg thing. I you, you dump the money into the arena, you know, and then you don't get a team. Are you going to get promised a team unless you dump the money into the arena, right? Right. But I think there's still so much. Don't you think, Tom, that there's so much value to having an arena like that No doubt that about downtown? it. We're missing out on all the concerts. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, Taylor Swift is coming into town for two days this summer at Paycor. There are only certain acts that can go to Paul Brown. Garth Brooks can go down to Paul Brown. The Rolling Stones could go down there even now, right? Taylor Swift, I don't know how many others are going to sell out 65, 70,000, whatever it is. But we're missing all the concerts that come through in the winter, come through in the fall, where you're not doing the Riverbend thing. We're missing all that stuff. 
Columbus is getting them all. Indy gets them all. Nashville gets them all. Louisville gets them all. We don't get them. So you start there. Concerts alone. Basketball tournaments. Political conventions. All those things. Right? And we're not getting them. Is it possible, like you were saying, it had to be private funded. Is it possible to have like a committee instead that like, because there's people like a, a committee that owns teams, right? What if they had a committee that owns that arena and they had a, I don't know. Well, like I mean, a, some of it. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would, it would be a joint venture, public and private funding. It would just depend on the split of the two, given how much Cincinnati is already paying I mean, it was crazy when I was going down and, and I, everybody that lives in Hamilton County knows this, but I just had never hit me until I was doing it when I was going in a couple of months ago when I thought I was going to buy a car and they quoted me on a car and uh, the guy asked me, do you live in Hamilton County or Butler County? Because the dealership was right on the edge of the two. And I said, oh, I live in Hamilton County. And he said, oh, well, it's going to cost you this, not that. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, that's your Bengals tax. I said, oh, well, yep. that checks out. That yep. makes sense. All right. So, yeah, I, I just think uh, I think having an arena, I understand the hesitation to it. I do. I, I've spent enough time reading about it. I understand the hesitation to it given the arenas that are already there. I would probably push back a little bit on the concerts, Tom, because I, I think Cincinnati does get the concerts. It's a problem that they're not – the acoustics are not good at Heritage Bank. Like, it, Heritage Bank is not a good place to go to a concert, but we do get a lot of the big acts to go we, to, we get to River some, Bend. but we don't get all of them. Yeah. I mean, Columbus gets all of them. Indianapolis gets all of them. Louisville gets yeah. all of them. And somebody made the thing in here about, you know, pointing out, it's a very good point, what I just said about, you know, said it's, it's, it, it's, it's, the concert thing is a little bit more than just the arena. Columbus, Indy, Louisville are better, better hubs for such tours. I don't know what the hell that means. I mean, it's a better venue, and that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. As far as a better town, and I don't know if these guys really, at the end of the day, I mean, hell, the old Jackson Brown song, you know, where it's like you don't even know what town you're in half the time with these guys. When you're going night after night after night, they're not going out and over the Rhine. No, yeah. You know what I mean? They're not. And I mean, so at the end of the day... I don't know if being in downtown L.A., that might be a stretch, but I don't know if being in downtown Columbus or Cincinnati or Louisville or Indy, I mean, is any better than the next one at the end of the day. These guys are rolling in late after a show the night before, probably sleep until noon, right? They get up, they go over and do a sound check, they come back to the hotel, and then off they go. They're all revved up, ready to roll. Where do you think? Ready to roll. A game. What, what hotel is nice enough for Taylor Swift to spend the night in that night in between her two concerts? Oh, there are plenty, plenty of places down there. Really nice. The Westin? Really? The no. Penthouse of the Westin? No. <laughs> she's staying. She's going to end up staying. Um, Netherlands? Um, if, I were, if I were her, if I were her, I would go to that brand new joint right down there um, by the Taft Museum down there, or the, whatever that is down there, the old Taft ground down there, right on, right, right downtown. I mean, almost 21C? next to, no, right next to 
has the rooftop bar, the brick building. They just oh, 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 over on I the other side. I think Barrett on that right there. Over I mean, there. look, you can walk to the arena. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, man. I mean, a lot of the Major League Baseball teams stay there now. Cubs, much other ones, they stay there now. AC on the, the AC? No, 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 no. No. So, if, if you were to go, somebody help me here in the chat. I'm drawing a blank. I've been to the bar, but I can't remember the name of the place. That's, that's Yeah, but no, uh, in Lytle Park. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah, I said Lytle. Oh, I didn't hear oh, you say Sorry, it. yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah, all, right, yeah. all right. Lytle okay. Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, no doubt. But there are some other great joints down there. That new Renaissance is really nice. Somebody says she's single now. She is. Yeah. Was she ever not single? Yeah. She's she ever been married? No, she was dating that act, that English actor for the last six years. They just broke up. Your thoughts, Tom, if any? Breaking. Well, I just don't want her to try to get in touch with me while she's here. Ah. What about Luke? Happily married man. Luke, believe me, sign him up. He's 18. Ready to roll. Taylor Swift, Luke Brenneman, bring it on. I'm all in. Newfound Hoosier. Yeah, for sure, Luke. Although she might be about a foot taller than him. Mm. I tell you, I saw her years ago in Columbus. Naturally, I had to drive up there to see her. Uh, that was during the winter. Okay? So, that's – those are – the. When the acts go, what I'm talking about on us missing the acts are the acts that are going out starting mid-fall through the spring. So like a couple years ago, George Strait goes out. This is a big country town, right? You know, come here. Yeah. You got to drive up to Columbus to see him or drive down to Louisville to see him or drive to Indy to see him. Those are the acts. So Taylor Swift was playing a number of years ago now when our daughter was very young. Uh, and we went up there and saw her in uh, Columbus, and I got to tell you, she's unbelievable. She is absolutely unbelievable. Great entertainer, good, clean, all-American fun. Her, her, her show is spectacular. The sound is amazing. She is on her game, so I give it up to her. I remember back in like 2009, maybe 2010, she was probably two years into her career and she was just starting to break through. And I think she did a, a sponsorship with T-Mobile and they said, if you text in a certain number of times, she'll go play a concert at your high school. And she came to a high school. It was right down the road. From really? Her, and it was a big deal. Yeah, I would think it e is a e big deal. Even back then it was a big deal. And I just remember that was the first time I had ever heard of her. And she was coming to play a, an event. It was just in the high school gym at a, at a high school, I don't know, probably five, ten minutes from me. And uh, now, now to think back to that now, to where she was, uh, to where she is now selling out every single – she could sell out any stadium in the world now. Oh, well, playing. yeah, no doubt. You ever seen the pictures? In hours. You were the guy that dropped the ball on those tickets. Where does that all stand? I, we're good. I got them. Yeah, I got but you initially dropped the ball. Oh, I dropped for the ball big time. For those who don't remember, yeah. you, you know, for your girlfriend, you, you, know, you were supposed to get on yeah. it. I, yeah. And you dropped the ball. I thought it was spam. I didn't think I was lucky enough. I didn't think I was high enough up the food chain. But I thought it was spam, and I got on it. Yeah, we're all set. I, I corrected the issue. We're all set. We're all good. So we're going to the first night, not the second night. I don't know if they're both going to be the same concert. I hope they are. 
Because Garth Brooks did that last year. He did. He added a second night. Yeah. He added the first night, and the first night was way different than the second yep. night. No doubt. We were at the second night. We had the tickets to the original, but and that was unbelievable. That was the best concert I've ever been to. That Garth Brooks concert last year, Paul. Yeah, Brown, he's or fantastic. Takeover. He oh is my a great God, show. Tom, Another guy. Awesome. If you have a chance, you know, there's some. There's some of them on. You know, if there's a bucket list for concerts, and I don't care if you're a huge country con. You know, whatever. Right. There are just certain guys out there. Joey, Joey, back on the program with us today. By the way. Really? Yeah, he must have been out there. I think he was campaigning uh, in different states with Gavin Newsom. Mm. Going down to Florida and tell everybody how bad it sucks down there. (laughs) Anyway, um, look, there are certain – it's no different than, like, you going to the Masters, okay? There are certain acts you have to see if, if you're able to afford it and you can go do it, okay? And I know a lot of people can't. Hell, I'm on the border of camp. But, you know, look. Uh, Garth Brooks. Yeah. Right? Rolling Stones go back on tour. I saw Bruce Springsteen three times in one week. I was a younger man then. But, you know, look. There are certain people that just lay it on the line, man, and they give you everything they got, every show. There are certain guys that don't. I went to see Kenny Chesney last summer, and I mean... He it, was bad. I it was, was not too. good. It I, was not good. I was there And I too. mean, look, that's what these guys are paid to do. They're like pro athletes. Bring your A game every night. I mean, we get on their ass in football. If Tom Brady stinks it up, right? Bring your A game. And, I mean, he didn't bring it. Springsteen? He might be 70. And I can promise you he's bringing it. And I mean bringing it for three hours. Taylor Swift? Bringing it. Garth Brooks? Bringing it. Bringing it. Right? Oh, yeah. George Strait? That guy might be 90. Bringing it. Different kind of show than the rest of them. But, I mean, the Rolling Stones. Hell, half those guys are, are dead. Or at least should be dead. Keith Richards. The who was it? TQL last year. Yeah, now I did not hear much about that show. I mean, they had all the, the old boys back together. They had Daltrey and Townsend and all those guys, right? They were all back together. But I've seen the Stones a couple times. I mean, that's the best concert I've ever seen. Because they just hired the best musicians from all over the world to go on tour with them. And, I mean, whether the guy's blowing a saxophone or the trumpet or the keyboard or whatever they got going on. And then Mick runs a whole operation it, it's just insane how good they are, even now. So, you know, there's certain ones you got to see. But you're right about Garth. Jolly Jolly says, I have a hard time believing Paul Brown Stadium is a good place to have good acoustics for a concert. It was, it I was, thought they were great. Yeah, it was pretty good. We, we bought decent seats. I wasn't all the way up to the top. We are all the way at the top for the Taylor Swift concert, though. So I may have a different opinion on June 30th. This is a great point by Everett, I have to say it. Bruce Springsteen, and this is true, says the guy that acts like the voice of the middle class or the lower class of America, but sells $600 tickets and $12 bills, $12 beers. Well, a lot of them sell $12 beers, and they have nothing to do with that. They have nothing to do with that. All right, um... We've covered a lot of stuff here today. I'm starting to get some people get back to me here, some of the football people. Paul Doherty, uh, I'll leave out his colorful language. He sent me a text. 
and yeah. said he was in the middle of writing the morning line. Said next time he will, uh, he's really upset with himself, and it's okay. People make mistakes. He said, so sorry, got caught up in writing. I'll set a timer from now on. So his apologies. <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. That's, right. That's fair. That's we had fair. A good conversation hey, here. We make a mistake, fine. make a mistake. We got lots of um, people who are getting uh, back to us uh, about uh, football. We're hoping to cover uh, every team in the NFL by the time we get to the draft, which, if I'm not mistaken, Casey, is two weeks from the day after tomorrow. Let me 27th. Look. 27th? I think is right. Yep. So Thursday, two weeks on Thursday. Honey Water. Honey Water is big league, buddy. Hey, everybody like the show. Subscribe to the show. Also, go to the podcast page. All of our podcasts are on there. You can just go to any podcast platform, search Chatterbox Sports, download this show, leave a rating and a review uh, for all these shows. And um, I I think that's everything else. I think that's everything we've covered. So we're going to have not too picky on right after this. Yeah, we haven't done not too picky in like a month because of the way our schedules have lined up with this and with everything with March Madness. And, so when are you getting back at it? In about eight minutes. Okay. With so Ruth. you're following the show today. I am. Are you going to be on regularly? Tuesday and Thursday, as long as we don't have a... Right uh, after this show. Right after this show. Tuesdays, Thursdays, 12 P. 12 P. 12 P Eastern time. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, uh, do we have uh, anything else you guys would like to cover here in the final handful of minutes of the program? Um... We've gotten to do a lot of stuff today. We really didn't dive into the Reds much. We'll gonna, have to do that tomorrow. I was going to say. We'll do yeah, that tomorrow. Yeah. We're not going to have do a they, big interview tomorrow. We're just going to we'll, – we, I'll see if Doc wants to end up joining us, uh, and we will uh, get into some other topics here, including football and the Reds. Casey? Um, other than the NBA playing games today, does anyone have any thoughts on a championship? Who, who are the – I don't know if you know much about the, the top teams in the you. NBA right now. Um, but Hold on. Let me look at the future because I want to make sure I say the odds right before I give them out. <clears throat> one, one of the, one of the uh, messages in the chat, which was uh, I, I got to find it because I want to give credit to who wrote it because it was great. When we were talking about getting an NBA team or an NHL team here, I'm not going to be able to find it. Oh, here it is. Abraham says, I would take a Major League Baseball team before an NBA team. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good line. Abraham has become line. a regular on the Yeah, chat. Abraham, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's a good line. Uh, Warriors plus 750. Not bad. A little spicy there. Warriors plus 750. Uh, I mean, there's really not. It, the Celtics and the Bucks are just so good. Maybe you go with the Suns because Celtics and the Bucks, somebody's going to have to come out of the West. Maybe go sprinkle a little bit on, the, but the Suns are just plus 450. All right, I tell you what let's do. Let's ah. all do a little homework tonight. Okay. All right? On each of these series, and since we don't have a big, um, big interview tomorrow, let's, let's, let's walk through some of these series. Okay. Right. Okay? We'll do I tell homework. you what let's do. Put the graphic up real quick. Somebody get a pen and paper over there, please. We got it. We're going to assign series to the three of us. So you don't have to read about every one of them. All right? I can give a scouting report. If you guys want to read about all of them, read all. I'm going to read about all of them. Or do you want to just read about all of them? Or do you want to give assignments for each of these series? Hmm. Let's pick a series. Let's 
because maybe we maybe one of these teams goes, uh, you know, makes a deep run in the postseason. We can. Tell what let's do. Let's pick the four series in the West. Okay. Okay. To talk about tomorrow. All right. Fair enough. Okay. So you know whoever you want to put in there that's going to face a top seed Denver, or whoever's going to win a game tonight and is going to face a number two seed Memphis. Uh, the other two are already determined. That Phoenix Clippers series is a very interesting series. And how about that rivalry series there? I mean, those two teams are separated by what? Hour and a half? Sacramento and Golden State? Yeah. That's so, a, that's a good we'll one. get into the Western Conference playoffs tomorrow. We'll do the Eastern Conference playoffs on Thursday. Brian says, Tom, I can't believe you didn't chastise me over the Springsteen politics comment. Nope, I do my best not to, 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 to get into. I've not seen Springsteen since he went, you know, off the rails. But his concerts are just, they're, they're unbelievable. They're unbelievable. Okay. Do we have a uh, cherry on top? Uh... Or no? It's Jim Breach's birthday today. Really? Yeah. Yep. Boy, one of the all-time great guys. Boy, and he had a hell of a career, man. Yes, he did. That guy was money. But he is a fantastic guy. He's raised his family. I don't know how many children he has. He has a ton of kids. He's raised them all out there in, in Anderson. Let me see this real quick. I'm trying to remember how many he had. Been a while since I'd seen him. I cannot believe this isn't on here. Wow. He doesn't have it on his... Um... You know who we got to get on the show? Who? Zoltan Mesco. He's got to come on the show. Yeah, we got to get Mesco on the we show. We got to get Mesco on the show, Tom. Jim Breach, seven children. Seven, seven children. Seven wow. children. Yes. Good for him. Zoltan Mesco, I'm all in. Out of the hole to Mesco. <laughs> Boy, you, you guys, I mean, it's so tired. You're it the one so, that said it. It is so tired. Yeah, I said it because it was setting up. The biggest upset in college football, so we had to know the names. I didn't know that some 25, whatever the hell it is, years later, 20 years, 15 years, I don't know, that I'd be listening to out of the whole to Mesco. About every other show. <laughs> What's that? Just about every other day. Because we can't oh, use some of them, right? Because of yeah, copyright the, stuff? Yeah. Like the because um, man, there's there, there's and I'm not saying it because it's me. There there's some good ones from the NFL, man. Yeah, Brady slinging it around. We got to try some of the more of the NFL ones because I think I think one of them that we used was copyrighted, but we haven't tried all of them yet. We've we've had other bigger fish to fry, but we're getting to that point where we can start yeah. doing some little, little stuff. Let's get the uh, what about Nielsen? Nielsen, <laughs> Jerome Simpson. It was so funny. That Dielson Herrera home run call, some might remember. I don't know if you guys do. Right? I mean, they had this guy, Dielson Herrera. And I, I, you know, Dielson, Dielson, you know. So I get home at night, and my son says to me, he says, good Lord, was that brutal. 
absolutely brutal. He said, I can't believe that was your home run call for that guy. I said, okay. You know, everybody has their own opinion. You got yours. Fine. Next day, he's got open gym for high school basketball practice, right? Mm -hmm. So I come walk. I have to drive him over. He's not driving yet. I walk in the door, and David Caldwell, head coach, comes right over and says, Man, love that Dielson call last night. I look at my man, Luke. There you have it, Big Daddy. Broadcasting in a nutshell. That's what it is, right? (laughs) One person thinks you're good. Next person thinks you stink. But that's what makes the world go round, right? Good enough. You hope more people think you're good than think you stink. All right. Dielson. All right. uh, Tomorrow we're ready to go. Casey, thank you. No problem. Thank you. Paul, thank you. Absolutely, Tom. All of you, thank you. We had a uh, good crowd in here today. We got into a lot of stuff that we rarely ever get into. So it was fun today. And tomorrow we're going to do the same with the NBA playoffs starting tonight. And we'll walk through the Western Conference playoffs tomorrow. Get a lot into the Reds tomorrow. They play tonight against Atlanta, game two of the series, before they come back home after the series finale tomorrow. Um, I think they have an off day. No, they don't. They don't have an off day. They're right back at it Thursday night at Great American Ballpark. So, all right, we will see you all tomorrow. Good Lord willing, have a great rest of your Tuesday from Off the Bench, presented by United Berry Farmers. See you then.